All right, we're going to kick this segment off with a roast to scrote from our Patreon subscriber, Katie. Hi, Katie. Hey, Katie. So she says, I dated a guy for around a year and a half and into the pandemic, and he sucked. Well, I'm going to guess so because you're submitting this story. So (laughs) just getting myself prepared for the suckage, I guess. Uh, I felt this whole... (laughs) I felt this the whole time, but went against my better instincts to follow a plan straight out of the pick me survival guide and ignore them. Never do that. Anyways, after about a year of low value mail nonsense, including, but not limited to consistently directly defying my request for ways to act with my belongings two, forgetting plans or things I told him and then tell, then telling me that me saying, I told you this in a later conversation was condescending and made him feel bad. And three, not wanting to hang out on our anniversary. I was finally getting fed up enough with feeling bad about myself and being leached off of and started coming to terms with ending things. Yeah, those are all legitimate red flags. I mean, we, I don't know what it is where men's like memories like a fishbowl when it's something that's important uh, to you. But when it's something that's important to them, they, they can yeah. remember like when the new Nikes are going to be released or like when <laughs> like... You know, if it's a year and a half in the future, they can remember the day of like the new Xbox, but they can't remember your birthday that comes every single year. It feels or your anniversary for that matter. Mm. It feels deliberate, right? Oh, my gosh. There's like this famous argument my parents had where um, my dad like forgot their anniversary five years in a row or something like that. (gasps) And so and and in general, he always forgets other like he'll forget the birthday of his own mom and then get mad at my mom for not remembering it for him so yeah he'll remember he'll like it's she's expected like they're divorced now but she like she was expected to uh queen (laughs) you know to to remember all like to be his social planner right and so there was one day because like and his excuse is like oh i forgot oh i forgot sorry i just forgot i'm just busy you know i'm stressed out i have things going on in my life i forgot and so one day she just asked him she asked him like about some hockey statistics randomly and he managed to remember like you know the amount of like uh a really specific like hockey detail like the number of like goals that a certain player scored in a certain year like 10 years ago and so and then she was like i fucking knew it i know you don't have a memory problem and so she would bring that up every single time you'd forget anything ever be like oh yeah you forgot my birthday you forgot my anniversary we can remember fucking like this and this hockey players uh statistics from 10 years ago like yeah anyways he's ranked that as a higher importance than you and that says a lot about his uh opinion of you yeah exactly that speaks volumes about his priorities So to continue on, after a very pathetic breakup that he initiated after ignoring me for two days straight and just three days before we were supposed to fly to meet my parents, I know, I know, during which he told me he didn't actually love me. Oof. Wow. Okay. I decided I would never, ever be waiting on another text of his again. I would never initiate contact with this obvious grote no matter what. I didn't know if I could do it, but I did with flying colors. After a couple of days mourning, I instantly saw this grope for what he was. Useless, pointless, a complete hindrance to my life. I had no urge to stalk him on socials, blocked him immediately, and 90% of the time had no urge to contact him ever again. Yes, queen. What's the other 10%? I feel like, where's the other, sh- is the other shoe going to drop? What's there? <laughs> What's the catch? <laughs> There's a little bit more here. Uh... So we didn't speak until a month and a half later when we saw each other again for the first time, and she puts this in quotes, at work over a Zoom meeting. 
after which he reached out about exchanging our things. I gave him all his shit the moment we broke up and I wasn't missing whatever he had. So I decided to just ignore him, realizing he did have something I needed. And I wasn't missing whatever he had, so I decided to just ignore him until realizing he actually did have something that I needed. When he was headed over, I told him to leave it on the porch and didn't contact him anymore. Fast forward another month and a half. So there's more. When I received a text from him that said, hey, if this is totally off base and uncalled for, I totally get it. But dot, 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 hip phone, question mark, quotation. What? She says, he and I had a ton of inside jokes, and I remembered this as one of them, and I was shocked. He was reaching out to me. I won. He was trying to become friends again. Ha ha, fuck you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Then I remembered hip bone wasn't just any inside joke. That was our code word for hooking up. This groat was texting. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, shit. This groat was texting me after three months of no contact, other than telling me, other than me telling him to leave my shit on my porch, asking me if I wanted to hook up with him at 8 p.m. on a Saturday. All men have is the audacity. The secondhand embarrassment was overwhelming. Yeah. See, it's never anything good. I don't know how that I don't know how they're not just ashamed of themselves. Like, do they just not feel any shame whatsoever? No. Well, the funny thing is when guys do that, it's, it means that um it means he's out fishing and he ain't getting any bites let's just say uh there's no other nibbles going on so guys will go through their phone contacts and will just like message like 10 women that they used to fuck or whatever and hope that one of them messages them back so yeah don't even message these people back like don't even give them the satisfaction it's a hail mary you know when they're not yeah when they're not getting bites like you said sometimes they just throw one in the air and just see they just they just cast their net just they just go out and cast a wide net see what they can what they can get but uh yeah don't don't be that gullible fish (laughs) coming up to the surface um so anyway i didn't respond for a while and cycled through some different ideas wrote up a couple of paragraphs about how much he sucked then i decided to keep it simple if i wasted my breath telling him how much he fucked me over he would just insist to himself that i misinterpreted the situation so i decided on my response so here she writes, uh, insert princess gif of Queen Tiffany, New York Pollard on her bed, righteously scoffing, along with a message that says, <laughs> LOL, fuck off, dude. I absolutely love New York. She's just, yeah, she just queen shit vibes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's what she sent him. So she, so he replies within a minute and says, all right, I'm sorry. And then she says she deleted his text and went to bed. And then the next morning, she gets another text from him that says, I really am sorry. Honestly, the last few months have been pretty difficult with the breakup and quarantine. And I got a little too tipsy and thought that would go over differently. Not a very nice thing to do. It won't happen again. Hope you're doing okay. I just dot, 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 dot. Shall we translate the scrotinies, ladies? (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) She's like... I really am sorry. Lie, she says. Honestly, the last few months have been pretty difficult with the breakup and quarantine. And she's like, she's going on, like, making fun of this guy. Like, oh, I'm sorry. You've been having a tough time since you dumped me after being a piece of shit boyfriend for a year and a half because you're lonely during a pandemic. First of all, jot me down as as who gives a shit. Second of all, you told me you didn't love me, dude. The fact that you are reaching out for my sympathy over your sadness that you didn't love me enough to keep me is not my fucking problem. And you need to keep that smelly BO away from me. <laughs> oh my gosh. <clears throat> so, so she, it, it continues from here. And then she says the last part, uh, I thought it would go, 
responding to him saying, and I thought that would go over differently. She says, this is my favorite part. The last time he really saw or spoke to me was during our breakup. He told me he didn't love me. I did not say the same. I cried. So as far as he knows, I am still sad and lonely and in love with him. So the different way that this was going to go over in his mind was that I would be so broken down and lonely due, due to the pandemic and missing his pathetic ass that I would actually act against my own best interests and allow myself to hook up with him, leading to an inevitable situationship wherein I have even less of a right to my feelings than I did when he was supposed to act like he loved me. No fucking thanks, dude. You're replaceable. So, okay. I like that. I like that her take at the end that, uh, cause it's true that he probably thought that she would be all sad. Like she would, pro he probably thought that she wouldn't move on and that she'd still be sad. Like the last time that he saw her. And so he was thinking, Oh, this is going to be an easy lay. Like she'll, She'll just like be crying, you know, running back into my arms with the slightest bit of attention. So I'm glad she didn't give him yeah. that at least. Yeah, she sa <laughs> she says, so anyways, I sent him a link to a flashlight. No commentary attached. <laughs> I figured he'd get the message perfectly fine. I mean, if he was down that bad, 8 p.m. drunk booty call to your ex who's way out of your league bad, then there are options for scrotes like him. If he wants to fuck so a hole so badly that he needed to hit up my phone, he can just buy one. Scrote colon roasted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like he almost did the work for us. Damn, I know. <laughs> she, yeah, she did. The, she did the roasting for us. That's savage. Actually, I love it. Exo, uh, exo scrotus deletus. Oh, maybe this is what the name she wanted to use. Exo scrotus deletus. <laughs> At the beginning, let's take out her real name and say this is from our Patreon uh, subscriber called Scrotus Deletus. <laughs> <laughs> and she Except says p.s at the time of our breakup he was 28 years old and had not paid taxes in two years and pps in the months since our breakup i have gotten a new job at my dream company and a dream boss for a 30 percent pay raise have taken three cross-country road trips by myself and am now in the midst of an even more yes, professional queen. and personal health success i don't know much of what he's doing but i do know he posted on reddit about balding treatments making his scalp bleed <laughs> See, God doesn't like ugly. That's why God snatched all his hair follicles out from the back of his head. Every time a skirt has the audacity, God puts his hairline one inch back. <laughs> I'm dead. Oh my God. All right. So we salute you, Queen, for this epic roast. That's delicious. Yeah. And your level up. <laughs> I hope he breaks his thumbs trying to text you next time. And I hope that the balding treatment fails and he just remains bald. She's Rogaine. Apparently, like, uh... I hope Rogaine makes his testicles shrivel up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Isn't that a thing where, like, if you put Rogaine... Some guys will put, like, Rogaine on their genitals and it burns? Like, that's a thing, apparently. Yeah, I read about that. What? I thought it was supposed to be, like, DHT blockers, but it also, like, blocks your testosterone pr production or something like that. So, allegedly, can make your, your testicles shrivel. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have no idea. I have no no need for Rogan. I hope I hope sometimes next time he's on a Zoom meeting, the camera gets tilted and people can see that he's not wearing any pants. Bam! Yes, <laughs> like that Folgers commercial.
I hope the next time he tries to hook up with a woman, she says yes. He goes there, or she sends him to, like, somewhere that's two hours away from where she actually lives and blocks him. I actually did that once, yeah. I've done that before. before. Like, a guy who stood me up and then ghosted me texted me, like, months later, so I told him to meet me at a place that was, like, two hours away and then didn't show up and then blocked him. And then just block him. Yeah. (laughs) Taxi when you're outside, block. desperate and thirsty as fuck like they will do anything for sex right <laughs> so you can send him six hours away and he'd probably still do it probably go there <laughs> True. it's 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 gonna be waste his time 21 it's gonna be waste yeah, time 2021 20, <laughs> <laughs> waste his time 2021 i hope he gets that flashlight trips over and breaks his fucking hip bone yes <laughs> Thank you for this Roast to Scroat submission, Scrotus Deletus. And if you'd like to submit, and for any of our listeners, if you would like to submit your own Roast to Scroat, please sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. And you can submit your very own Roast to Scroat, queen shit or Gnosis for us to read aloud on air. Sound good? Yeah. What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy, the meanest female-only place on the internet. I'm your host, Ro. And this is Lilith. And today we're going to talk to an early childhood educator, Zoe Eileen. She's going to talk to us a little bit about how gender roles affect male and female children. Yes, that's correct. So I live in Wellington, New Zealand. I studied childcare development for two years and then I started working in I think you call them kindergartens we have childcare facilities for the ages zero to five that's awesome so we get this question a lot from parents a lot of parents I guess stumble across our subreddit and are horrified to learn sort of the reality of what the dating world is what it what it's like for young people out there a lot of parents asking like how do I protect my daughter how do I raise my son to be a high value man? How do I, how do I raise my son to be a good person, basically, given that we live in such a patriarchal culture, right? And so we wanted to, it's a big question, I know. And so I wanted to get your professional opinion on that, Zoe. Yeah, it's a really great question. Because, you know, in this world, we just have so many external forces working against us. And it's the society we're living in is really raising our sons for us to to have really quite negative male traits. And um, I think when you're raising your your sons, it's such a hard question because there's so many small actions every single day that build up. And um, I've got a few of them, but uh, firstly, I think the most important thing that we have to remember is that they are only little boys and they are only little girls. They're just little wee baby children. And I think especially for boys, the concept of education around bodies and body autonomy and masculinity is really important. Little boys need to be able to be little boys and express their aggression and express their their testosterone and their masculinity around that can be quite damaging and go inside and they'll not know how to behave masculine and they won't know how to express their aggression and their testosterone healthy and that can lead to really unhealthy expressions of testosterone as we see in all of our men in society. So I think one really important concept is this concept of never shame, only explain. And it's really important because 
when we shame young boys and children, they shut down and they they go inside of themselves to a very dark place where they feel like I'm not accepted, other people don't accept me, and so they'll line up with this internal narrative and continue to do actually more negative things. So it's really important to always come from a place of empathy and gentleness. And most of the time when little boys do something naughty or wrong, we don't use those words in the industry, uh, whenever they do something labelled as naughty, the best thing we can do is just to slow down, come down to the level, and just simply explain why they can't do what they're doing and why it's wrong, and also the consequences. And I think because you're dealing with small children, they seem to be, I would assume anyways, that they would be a lot more uh, receptive to correction versus if you were teaching older children where the shame might be they won't feel shame. They'll just start to kind of uh, act out or they'll start to roast the teacher or they'll start to do something to reject that correction. When you're working with small boys, especially, are they a lot more receptive at that age? Oh, yes, yes. They are so receptive. It's amazing. At that age, you know, it's really wonderful because just a few simple corrections can totally change their behavior. Granted, it doesn't happen all the time because each child's different and they have different parents. Um, and sometimes their parents do some work that's really hard to undo. But I am, I, I'm often shocked at how quickly they adapt and how responsive they are and just how eager to please they are. This is one thing that really amazes me, particularly about little boys, is that actually even more than girls, they have such a strong craving to please other people around them. And that, that it's amazing how strong that drive is. And so when you give them clear guidelines to make adults happy, and they're really obvious and they know what to do, they will try their best to adhere to those guidelines because children crave approval more than anything else. So I find that just explaining the rules and gently correcting it and reminding them. I think that's why it's really important to be gentle because you remind them that you love them. You remind them that's not what we do here. We're really gentle with our hands and they can feel the love. They can feel the understanding. And then they know when I want positive attention, I can just go and do this good thing, which it works really, really, really well. Yeah, I think a lot of people, our audience might hear the phrase, don't uh, shame, you know, only explain. And they might, they might not be on board with that, because they're thinking about the way that they talk to adult men. And so I do just want to be clear to our audience, like the whole don't shame, only explain. Like, so do you think that it's for zero to five? That's for ages zero to five, right? It's not for man children. Oh, absolutely not. Shame is such an important concept in society because it stops you from doing bad things that your peers frown upon. So shame is a really important concept in our society. But when you're so young, I mean, think about a time when you were two, three, four, five, and an adult made you to feel embarrassed and ashamed of yourself. That hurts and it impacts us for a very long time and so I think we need to 
really approach from instead of a place of anger when we're correcting behavior or any sort of negative emotion it's really important to just ground ourselves think about why we're reacting this way to the child calm ourselves think about an easy way to well a simplified way of explaining the situation and then just explain because when you correct a child zero to five with shaming them, they really, it's so much harder to correct them in the future because they don't feel like they can trust you anymore. Can you give me some examples of times where, you know, maybe a little boy has been, has done something like, you know, quote unquote naughty and, you know, how did, what did he do and how did you respond to that? Yeah, sure thing. So, so there were, I'll start off with the one that comes most intensely to my mind and that is a little child um, I won't name his name for um, just professionalism, and he was the child of a of um, a gangster. We have gangs in New Zealand, and his father was about six five, gigantic man dressed in gang memorabilia, and had a swash sticker tattooed on the left side of his cheek. So you could tell that his parenting was not ideal. Just by assumption and this child was so violent so aggressive and constantly would be hitting boys girls everybody and so it was particularly hard because he was already being shown at home the standard of behaving and the behavior at the center didn't match so it was hard for him to adapt but often I would see him attacking boys who would attack girls and so we had this rule where if a child hits another child that's them learning consequences and learning that they can't go and do anything they like and there's going to be zero repercussion and so this one time we had this little boy who just just loved harassing girls I don't know why he just he would always go pull their hair take their toys steal their blocks um, and just annoy them for no reason and so the naughtiest kid in the class I look over to him he's fighting with another boy and I tell him hey come over here he's bothering Jessica and you need to stop him so he comes over and he just pushes that boy <laughs> <laughs> And um, I look around at my other co-workers and they are surprisingly totally fine with it. And I'm like, okay, that's not exactly what I wanted. But I sit down and I say to the, the boy who's bothering the girl, do you see that it's really not nice to come have someone come and annoy you? And he goes, yeah, I just wanted so-and-so's blocks. And I was like, you know, you can't come and take this from her. You can't, you just can't come and take this from her because you know what it's like for other people to come and do things you don't like. Can you understand that? And they're like, yeah, I didn't like so-and-so coming over and pushing me. And I said, yeah, so why do you do it to her? And he goes, oh, I, don't, I just want someone to play with. And I was like, well, you can play rough games with this boy. Why don't you guys go play? And they kind of looked at each other and then they just ran off and and started roughhousing with the boys and then whenever that boy would come and annoy a girl I would just call over the the roughest boy in the class and he would come over and he'd kind of intimidate the other boy to to leave the girl alone and then they would run off and play and so it was quite amazing because this one extremely troubled boy 
got a place where he could actually use his intimidation and his aggression in a somewhat beneficial way. He could protect a girl. He could express it healthily with another boy. And this other boy was explained using really easy to understand empathy because he just got bullied. Don't bully other people. And instead, you can just turn around and go play nicely and go wrestle with the boys. And so there was really good for all three children involved. So that's interesting because that um, it sort of reinforces the idea that the way that boys need to socialize with each other is not the same way that boys socialize with girls. And the reason I bring that up is because there's been a lot of like manosphere talk about how preschool children are being or preschool boys are being thwarted from their educational career because they're not allowed to rough house or there's not allowed they're not allowed to play rough with other boys they have to be quote-unquote agreeable like girls I don't necessarily buy into that but do you think as a childhood educator there is some truth to the idea that the physical aspect of boys play is important for their learning and socialization oh absolutely I mean they genuinely, genuinely need multiple outlets to express this testosterone. Some boys more than others, some boys less than others, but all boys and girls for that matter need an outlet for their aggression. You know, I, I have heard from the manosphere that, oh, men are being socialized to be like girls, but I don't believe that's true at all. I, I think that is just propaganda because at least from my society and my work and here in New Zealand, I can tell that we're very pro-boy behavior and very pro-masculine expression. And so uh, that idea, I think, is just simply propaganda because I think everybody in childcare knows that boys will be boys and that they have a need to uh, stretch their muscles and go get out their testosterone and go um, do some physical exercise. Everyone in the industry knows how important it is. That's been my experience uh, as well uh, who, as someone who has a lot of friends who are teachers is that they are aware that the <laughs> that boys have to socialize themselves is quite different from girls. So yeah, I, I agree with you in that I don't agree with the manosphere talking point that somehow that boys are just being like, you know, unfairly total bullshit. Yeah, unfairly punished for being male. The, the, they'll say like, oh, we live in a gynocracy where women are oppressing men by suppressing their like natural desire to like be a man and and so on, right? And so the my understanding of what you said is that you know, boys are different than girls, and that's okay, but that they should express that violence or that not violence, but they they should express that aggression with one another and not towards women. They should be taught that essentially. And that, and that teachers are actually aware of that and actually guiding that with, with male children. It's not something that there's no truth to the idea that boys aren't being allowed to play or express themselves physically. And that's why they're failing in school. No truth to that whatsoever. No truth. I think when you get into older children that, they, there's more strict regiment to follow, just like going to different classes and so on and so forth. And that somehow they've conflated that into the idea that, I don't know, that somehow their masculinity is being repressed. And maybe it is, but that is an issue with the schooling system and capitalism and not with our feminine society raising our boys to be less masculine because that's just an outright lie. I mean, some of the 
like quote unquote parenting feminist parenting advice, not from any experts, but I hear, I see, you know, comments on other parts of the internet. They'll talk about, um, like, Oh, I, I, I want to teach my sons that hitting isn't okay. Or that like violence is never okay. And so I see some parenting advice on forums that is, that is actually very much like aimed at trying to suppress all, you know, aggression. Right. And so I wanted to ask you like, can you explain like why that's a bad idea or, you know, what would be a better alternative? Yes, absolutely. And I'm so glad you asked because I think that what, okay. So I think some people, it's kind of hard for me to word this. I think some feminists have this idea that masculinity is toxic and so we need to end masculinity. And I believe we just need to, gently redirect it i am there's one policy that i'm super firm on and it is that the boys do not roughhouse with the girls at all period because what you're teaching them is that it's okay to lay a hand on a woman in anger it's okay to hit her if she gets mad it's okay to rough her around and be careless with her body and that's not okay and so every time even if she's you know wrestling with him and she's enjoying it it's consensual I redirect the boy because it's not fair. It's a losing battle. She is smaller. He's stronger. Like, it's just not a fair fight. And so often, if I see a boy, you know, roughhousing with a girl, I'll just go and I'll say, hey, why don't you go play with someone your own strength? Some people in society will find the idea that boys shouldn't roughhouse with girls offensive in some way and they say you know girls can fight too and yada 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 but she shouldn't have to and we shouldn't teach our young boys from early infancy and toddlerhood that it's okay to fight girls it's okay to hit girls it's not okay to be rough with women this is the idea that we should be sending and so whenever we say that you know whenever we see to two young people of mixed genders and they're roughhousing and engaging in this aggressive play, what we're really teaching them is that it's okay to fight with the opposite sex, it's okay to be rough, it's okay to manhandle, and then, you know, they grow up into adults and they think, you know, well, I've been doing this my whole life. I've been wrestling with girls, I've been hitting girls, I've been doing this my entire life and no one's ever stopped me, so it must be okay. And so that's why I'm very firm on the idea that we need to redirect male aggression towards women to male aggression directed at other males because they're not going to stop being aggressive. But we can teach them to be aggressive with other men. Now, you know what what it reminds me of? Um, It reminds me, and if if you've ever had a puppy. Yeah, uh, I was about to say that too. (laughs) If you've ever had a puppy, one thing they teach you is to help puppies learn something called bite resistance by letting them roughhouse and play with uh, other dogs, a lot of times older dogs or um, bigger dogs. And what that does is puppies, when they're born, they don't know, uh, they don't know that uh, they're not supposed to bite very hard. The way that they explore their world is they bite things, they put things in their mouth. And so if you don't teach them not to just chomp down on everything they see, they'll use the full force of their jaw to bite things. And so how they learn to control the force of their bite is by playing with other puppies or playing with uh, other dogs in general. And they'll bite another dog and the other dog will tell them, they'll snap back right away and be like, hey, that's too hard. 
or uh, also um, if they get bit, they'll learn through experience that biting things hurts, <laughs> being bit hurts, mm -hmm. and to not bite things as hard. So when you're when you're describing the way that boys learn, it's not on un unlike how a lot of other species, especially uh, uh, species that are very very active like puppies are, learn about their environment. They have to learn by literally testing the limits of their physical force against other dogs that they know how to regulate it. And they'll learn, they'll learn how to interact with humans that way too. If there's an older dog, the older dog knows how to interact with humans, knows how to interact with uh, even smaller puppies. So he'll teach the dog, Hey, don't bite, you know, don't use your full force in the back of a, of a smaller dog. And also you can't bite humans the same way because humans have skin and not fur. So that's kind of interesting and kind of goes along with how a lot of other species socialize. Yeah, the same thing with cats and cats and dogs do the same thing. Like the mom cat or the mom dog will like correct the children when they're being too annoying or when they're, you know, biting too hard and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, it really boils down to the premise that you just shouldn't hit a girl, period. Even, you know, I think, you know, I see this all the time where um, boys and girls will be roughhousing and a lot of other of my other fellow educators won't correct it. And I find that really uncomfortable because we're really just teaching the young boys that it's okay to hit girls if you're happy or if you're sad. That's their, your right to go hit them. And so every time I see any rough housing, you know, the girl shouldn't have to put up with it. It's a losing battle and she shouldn't have to deal with that. So, you know, I just go in gently and I say, I say, hey, did you know boys are much bigger and stronger than girls? And they say, yeah. And so I say, well, why don't you go play with someone your own strength? Hmm? Or if they're being really aggressive, hey, I don't think, say, I don't think Jessica really likes how rough you're being. Do you think you could go play rough with the boys? Because in childcare, it's protocol. You can't just tell them, no, stop that, because it's just, it doesn't give them any alternative. So we say, how about you go do this? Or do you want to go do this instead? And it's not about burying their masculinity it's not about telling them masculinity is wrong it's just showing them that boys and girls are very different and boys are bigger and stronger and that's okay and so you if you want to play rough games if you want to play wrestling games go play with the other boys who really like those kinds of things awesome yeah and when we were uh i, I think this is a good opportunity maybe to explain you were telling me earlier about the cops and robbers and princesses oh yes and i thought that was so such an adorable story so i was wondering if you could maybe share that here on the podcast yeah absolutely so we had one center of um boys and girls and there was a, a lot of um aggressive play between the guys, girls and boys and so we made this game it was called Cops, Robbers, and Princesses. It's a really lovely game. Um, anybody can be a princess. Anybody can be a cop or a robber. But the main premise is that we've got robbers, and they'll just go along and steal things from other children. And then we have the cops come along and just try and get it back. And so this is really, really great practice because if there's a child who wants to explore a more, like, adventurous, more maybe um, – 
slightly negative connotations like the the bad guy so to speak they're wanting to explore that role and how it makes them feel they'll play the part of the robber and they'll just go take something and run away be giggling and then the second role is that of the police officer and they're learning about their role as a hero um, someone who saves the day and they're learning about how that role play makes them feel and so that's really good because it gives them an internal monologue of I will go save the day I have the power to take action I have the power to go help people I have the power to stop the bad guy and then when it gets interesting is when we throw in the princesses because they don't really have a role they kind of just run around with the cops and robbers and they have their beautiful little outfits and they have their magic wands and they'll cast magic spells and say things like this and sometimes they'll boss around the cops and robbers and they'll say to the robber I want this dinosaur go get it for me and or they'll say to a police officer that I got my wand stolen and immediately the boy he's your wand got stolen where where and he you can just see the determination on his face he's so ready to go help he's just wants to save the day he's so excited to be the hero he's so excited to be useful and so he takes this opportunity and he there's that one to go get it and then he runs and he he's running he's chasing the cop and the princess is coming behind get that wand and they're all running together playing and then the uh, the, the police officer he goes and he tackles the other boy and he takes the wand back and he proudly presents it back to the girl and he's his chest out he's just beaming with radiance because he's so proud that he's done such a good job of saving the day and these girls are so happy because they get to run around and play and they have a power position where they are the princess you know they are the royalty they're the the um political decision maker they and they're beautiful they're having a great time they're not getting picked on they're not getting harassed if anyone tries to pick on them bully them harass them they've got this um, a swarm of good little boys playing police to come and save the day and I, I love this because these boys when they get to they get to express uh the side of being the bad guy and they get to express the side of being the hero and they and the girls they get to find out that boys are wanting to protect them and so this game I love this game because especially the look on the boy's face when they do a good job, they are like this little puppy fawning at you, looking up with you with these big, beautiful eyes, just so craving approval and praise. It's just so beautiful to see how they are just so, they get so much joy out of being the hero and they get so much joy out of protecting and serving and it really validates them. So I love this game. It's so adorable to watch them all get along so easily. I, I really love it. Uh, so how do you balance, because this is obviously controversial because you're, you're talking about a, an explicitly gendered game in a time where most of the push in childhood education has been to eliminate gendered play. Or like eliminate the concept of gender roles. Yeah, eliminate the concept of gender roles. And, and, and with that, how do you balance... Um, you don't want to uh, have a situation where the girls feel too passive, right? Because it's really great to empower the boys to feel and be useful. But how do you also make sure that girls aren't uh, feeling like they're powerless in that situation? Is it that they, I think you mentioned that they were wielding political power. Uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yes, they are. They're, 
they're the princesses and they know it and they don't feel powerless at all because they have this group of stronger, bigger boys to do their bidding. Boss around. Boss around. Yeah, they do. And yeah. everyone's happy. It's because I think we look at it as in boys in or sorry, and girls in order to receive respect need to be like boys. They need to fight the boys. They can do it themselves. They can do everything themselves and yada, yada, yada. And that's, I think that's really sexist because we're expecting the girl to behave like a boy in order to prove her worth and earn her respect and I think that's really unfair because girls and boys have different power from different places and for this game I really like it because the girls they shouldn't have to go and save their they shouldn't have to go and fight boys to to prove themselves instead they can say you know he got my wand yada yada and then they can basically order around these boys to do the boy jobs for them do the boy work for them and they understand that their voice has power and their words have power and that they can influence the situation with their words and with their will and with their desire they can put an input they can tell the group what to do and then they can have results that way which I think is much more important because you're teaching the girls when you speak people listen I love that. I absolutely love that so much. Yeah, because I'm, I'm very frustrated with so much of the parenting discourse. I hear a lot of, you know, feminists, I guess, liberal, usually liberal feminists saying like, oh, when I have a kid, I'm going to raise my children without gender, like Grimes, for example, saying I'm going to raise my son without gender, which is first of all ridiculous, because one, a lot of them haven't been to like therapy to unpack their own internalized biases. So a lot of them end up passing on like you said, like, it's kind of sexist to act like to, in order for a girl to prove her worth, she has to act like a boy because you're saying that the standard for goodness is masculinity, which, you know, it's okay to acknowledge that men and women are different and they're both val just as valuable. Right. Um, and then women can be valuable just by being like the way that they naturally want to be. Right. And that's um something that they're discovering even in, I, I was reading a study that they were trying to do gender neutral toys and gender neutral play in places like Sweden. And it's not really working out well because for whatever reason, there are certain things that boy children and girl children tend to gravitate towards. It's not always, you know, it's not always exact. Obviously we have people that are gender outliers, but like for the most part, when they would see certain types of play, like, you know, I can't remember, I wish I had pulled up this article, but um, certain types of play and more uh, action play was more typical of boys. And then with girls, it was more like relational play, right? Like they, you take your Barbies and they have conversations, they have like tea versus like yeah. boys who are more action or, you know what I'm saying? Uh, boys just want to go punch each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's more action oriented play and they just play boys and girls typically play differently. And so as much as they've tried to push gender neutral parenting, it hasn't been, or and gender neutral toys and gender neutral play, it hasn't necessarily been successful because uh, it seems that to me, or it seems to them that at least some of the way that boys and girls play is innate. It's something that an innate sense of gender that we're born with that um, can't just be easily fixed by giving, you know, a, a boy, a Barbie doll, and a girl a truck. Yes, absolutely. And it's because women and girls, they are born with a larger left side of their brain. And so they're, they have this advantage because they're naturally more capable of language, writing, recognizing emotion, um, 
um, reciprocating a emotional response. They're so much better at empathy, language, relations, just because they're born with the larger left side of their brain. Personally, I think this this gender neutral or no gender way of raising children is actually quite unfair because you're basically assuming your child is agender and you don't know what your gender is. And I think that we should really just, I think, you know, when it comes to gender roles, I think that some gender roles are actually good. I think gender roles are so crucial in society because whether we like it or not, we are a gendered society. And there's always, always going to be gender roles put upon us because we're born male or female or intersex. And so there's always going to be a role that puts that is placed on us by a society. And I think with the dissolving of gender roles, now we're seeing that men can see, well, because we're rejecting gender roles, men don't have to provide. Men don't have to protect. Men don't really have to do anything, and they're not contributing anything to society because of the lack of gender role. Some gender roles are actually good. So I'm going to push back on that a little bit because there are, in fact, people that are born atypical of their gender. And I think a lot of the abolishing of the gender roles, well, there's there was multiple reasons why people wanted to abolish gender roles. And ironically, um, it's kind of interesting because on the feminist side between like liberal feminists and a lot of radical feminists, you're seeing a split and they both believe in abolishing the gender binary, but for different reasons Yeah, where like the radical feminists say there's no such thing as gender. Gender is a completely made up social construct. It has nothing to do with who you are and has nothing to do with your biology. And then on the liberal feminist side, they're saying gender is an innate sense of being. It has nothing to do with your biology. So you can be whatever gender you want to be. Right. So there's, there's sort of a, um, a rift there. And, but I also, but I think um, I, the way I would think about it, at least in the term, in terms of FDS, how we've reconciled the idea of gender is more or less gender. Gender is a peace treaty between men and women to a certain extent. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, and I think what you were saying before, where, a lot of the the men's rights activists and uh, and their complaints and the general trend towards boys feeling useless and being useless is because we completely tore up the old gender gender treaty between men and women. And I would I would almost say this applies more so to heterosexual men and women, um, of which that is the majority of the population. But we didn't give in the absence of the old gender treaty, a new way for boys to be. So then boys just became useless because they didn't know how to be. And in that uselessness, they became depressed. And in that uselessness, they got angry and they started being like, feminists are the problem with everything. Ugh, everything yes. that's wrong in society is because yeah. of female, you know, because, of, because they don't yeah. have anything to focus on and any anything to aspire to right that's so right and i think as well that we're teaching our young girls that femininity is inherently bad and i think this is something that liberal feminists are doing by accident because they want they see ironically they subconsciously see male male leaning activities and hobbies and and careerism as like the absolute way to prove your worth and they're accidentally um disregarding the uh, innate awesomeness of femininity and as well for the boys because we're lacking these gender roles these men's rights activists are constantly screaming and kicking about they don't have a place they're not allowed to be masculine yada 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 and so I think we need to I think we actually need to reinstall 
a new gender code and I think for boys that role includes their inherent masculinity and it includes two things being the protector most importantly defending women against other boys and that's what I'm teaching them in the school and providing and I think that's really important because we're going to be raising boys who are in line with their in, their natural healthy masculinity they're going to know how to express their natural healthy masculinity they're not going to look down on femininity and they're going to be proud to serve and protect and they're going to make great husbands great fathers great peacemakers in society because they're going along with the internal narrative that their job is to be the hero it's to do great things it's to do great things for your community and your society and protect people and love people and nurture people and that's the gender role for boys that i'm trying to instill i i, I love that I, I i think so on the one hand i don't really blame feminists liberal feminists or radical feminists who are suspicious of gender roles because historically speaking gender it's true i do want to acknowledge that his gender roles historically have been used to suppress women enslave women you know enslave women gender roles for example like oh women are like mentally inferior like only good for like washing you know your fucking skid marks out of your underwear and, and that sort of thing um and historically gender roles have been very much like men are superior women are inferior and relegating women to domestic labor and not being able to maximize their own potential right and so in this push to abolish gender roles which are seen as oppressive they i don't know there's been these sort of unintended unintended like side effects right well and and also cruel to lgbtq people because there are people that are you know there's they're gender non-conforming right they don't necessarily for whatever reason they didn't get the programming that the rest of us got that makes us you know have i guess typical behaviors for our sex so I think with the old gender role system, there were men that felt that that fell outside of that. They were demonized and bullied for expressing anything feminine, right? Exactly, because femininity was seen as inferior. So if a man like wore a dress, he would be seen as like, like a woman, and that is worthy of shame. You're like a woman. Women are bad, therefore you're bad. That kind of thing, right? And so, like you said, I think we need to, re you know, and the other thing that's worth remembering is like gender roles have not been the exact same for all of human history, right? And even in different cultures different cultures have different gender roles right and so gender roles are fluid like we can we as a society we can re uh calibrate gender roles such that they are not like oppressive to like i don't think gender non-conforming people should be punished like they should be free to you know no, definitely not they i think all people should be free free to choose their gender and i think in the school you know like little boys sometimes they love wearing dresses and we always always support that because there's nothing wrong about wearing a dress and i think if someone is gender non-conforming that is really special and that should be honored and we have to just, you know, we just have to tweak the roles a little bit. I don't think gender roles are something we need to be afraid of because whether we agree with them or not, they will exist always. And so we are wasting all this time constantly trying to abolish them when we could make them into an actually a beautiful, harmonious thing that help us learn our differences and use that to work together in harmony. So that's my take on gender role. Definitely. Yeah. So basically, like, it's not that gender roles are bad. It's the patriarchal gender roles that are bad. And so we yes, can... that specifically. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so we can recalibrate gender roles such that they can be like feminist gender roles. It's possible for gender roles to be feminist, right? Like you said, where yeah, absolutely the girls are the princesses. They're like the royalty. They're in charge. You know, they ex- exert their words are their powers. They have decisions. Their their groups follow them. They can influence people. They have so, that is the main thing. They have the power to influence their society, and that's what we're teaching them. And I think, yeah. That's amazing. I'm so happy. I'm like beaming right now. I think that's amazing. Yeah, and I think it's really beautiful because it's just the polar opposite to all this aggression we're getting within our society and our every part of our uh, every part of our life is polarized. Where even something like parenting and gender roles, it's a it's like such a hot topic because there's so much controversy and aggression but I think when we approach it with this mind frame we can be a lot softer and a lot gentler and really honor the child and we can say you know we're creating new gender roles for boys and girls that celebrates them who lets them be elevated to their the best behavior and lets them really be empowered to be themselves and be who they are and take action and know that they are able to influence their society in a really magnificent way. Amazing. The How do we actually implement this? Like, cause we've talked about this, how this would work theor- theoretically, but like, can you give us some maybe examples on how parents could maybe implement this in sort of day-to-day interactions? Yeah, sure. So I really like, um, I will well, take the like the case we've been talking about where a boy's been bullying a girl and we can just tell another boy to say save her save her crown save her wand save her toy go 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 fight for her protect her and we don't have to be afraid or ashamed of saying these words we can shout at the top of our lungs fight for her protect her and then they go and they roughhouse together and we say good job you're so amazing for doing that I love that about you and you're giving them all this praise about um correct behavior and then they feel really validated they feel excited they feel elated they feel pleased they're excited to do more protecting then you can do other things like enforce body autonomy and if you see um someone bothering someone else you can say I am I don't think this person likes that. Do you think you could stop and maybe go play with someone else? Or you could say to a young person who is getting a lot of harassment and they need to learn to say those words for themselves, you can just get down to their level and look at them and you can just say, you can tell them to stop. And then they can be like, wow, I can't tell them to stop. And you may even be a little more firm. You can say, tell them to stop. And then they understand that that's a request that you're asking them to tell the other person to stop and you're teaching them how to enforce their boundaries without doing it for them. You want to teach the children to do it for themselves. So you can say, tell this person, I don't like that, stop right now. Or could you please stop that? I don't really like that. Or you're being too rough, you're being too aggressive, you're hurting me, you're scaring me, you're being too aggressive. Can you please go play with another boy or girl or someone else? So what are your thoughts? Um, As they grow older, the motivations become less about trying to please people and more about like sexual success, (laughs) as we've noticed. And um, that... Uh, when they don't have sexual success that gives rise to things like the red pill or the incel movement where they feel like uh, they were quote unquote white knighting 
is what white knighting is the term for what you basically described, which is like being a hero and or girls, simping, yeah, or simping, yeah. And girls didn't respond by throwing them pussy. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. how do you at that age then change the reward system in their mind? Because the reward system is no longer about pleasing people; it's about getting sex. Yeah, I think that's really important, and I think it's important to note that um, in childhood development, it shifts from being a parent or guardian based um, based approval, and then they move to seek the approval of their peers a lot more. So they go from, you know, the the world is at your feet and you're basically like their deity to they couldn't give a shit about you, and instead all of their focus is on getting their peers to give them approval. And I think this is really important to acknowledge how damaging the internet is and how damaging pornography is. For my for my children, there's going to be a zero internet in the private rooms policy. The internet use is only for public spaces in the lounge where I can see at all times with my own eyes exactly what content they're looking at because we all know how the internet radicalizes millions and millions of boys every day from the age of 11, sometimes even younger. So we have a zero internet policy unless it is for educational purposes. And if it's for social entertainment purposes, it's done within full view of an adult and only between certain hours of the day so they're not getting oversaturated with technology do you think it would only occur if they had the internet and the only reason i'm pushing back on this is because you know pre-internet there was still i don't know if they were as uh defined as uh, a group called the incels they might have just been called losers like colloquially (laughs) or nerds or something like that but they've always kind of been around guys who weren't uh sexually successful who then um go on to try to reshape the world in a way that makes them more sexually su- successful. So you see a lot of these guys make like those, uh, those Hollywood movies where the schlumpy nerdy guy gets the girl. Like every Adam Sandler movie, every Seth Rogen movie. Yeah. And honestly, like that's a, that's a trope that legit pisses a lot of FDS people off because these guys have no redeeming qualities, but for some reason, the way they're often written is that they're they're the underdog and that they deserve uh, a woman just because they learn basic life skills or they're not a, as as big as a jerk as the opponent, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so I don't know. Um, I think having the standard from such a young age where we're teaching body autonomy, autonomy they're not going to feel entitled to a woman's body because they've been taught from such a young age that they're not allowed to hit a girl or even touch a girl when she doesn't want and teaching things like oh you didn't ask for that hug do you just want to make sure they're okay and things like do you want a high five a fist bump or a hug and teaching that you need permission to touch other people's bodies and teaching them that girls are something to be protected they're not a prize they're not something to win or obtain they're something to be you need to you need to earn their approval yes you need to earn their respect yeah you need to earn their respect and you need to earn the right to touch them in a platonic or romantic way so i think that's really important and then secondly i think the, the i think the thing that parents have to be most afraid of is the internet i think you can raise your children however you want but the internet is what's going to ruin your young boys for certain so just 
um, ensuring that all of their content, and I mean all of their content and media, you know exactly what is feeding their psyche when you're not around, when you're around, you want to know exactly what kind of internet media is making its way into your child's world and influencing them. Because I think that the internet for young boys is the most pervasive and aggressive way of programming men to be incels and have this um, aggression towards women. So I think if we just take that out, it would get a lot better. It explains explains their sexual failure in a way that the rest of society is not. The rest of society is doing the virtue signaling thing, which we at FDS hate because we feel like it accomplishes it accomplishes nothing. One, it makes women unhappy because we have all these like men who are not living up to our real expectations of them. Because yes. they think like if I'm just a nice guy, I should be able to get a woman. And then it makes men upset because they feel like, well, I'm doing all the right things. Why aren't these girls like having sex with me? And then they get pissed off and then they become too or they become incels or they become red pillars because the red pillars gives them a script in the absence of anything else, anything else real. Yeah. That's a good point because a lot of the reason why uh, incels and red pillars are drawn to those communities anyways, is because they feel that they're not, you know, included. They're not, know, included. not included or they're not, they feel. Uh, Their masculinity is bad. They need a place. They want a place. Yeah. They're, they've been told that masculinity is bad or they feel that, yeah, they haven't uh, received like the validation or they've been shamed or they've been, you know, the, the, as it's, it's tough because it's hard for me to feel like compassion for incels, honestly. Right, yeah. <laughs> Cause there's only so much <laughs> because like by the time that they're adults, it's like, okay, you know, you're an adult. Like you have to, you have to realize that a plus B doesn't always equal C. Like you have to realize that the world is nuanced. Then they want everything to be a game. Yeah. And I also want to draw the line. Like there's a difference between, interacting with like adult men and male children because male children they're young they're innocent they're pure they haven't like transgressed they're like it's four or five years old boy right like he he's not born with sin right and so and by the time a guy is an adult he's like and even if you know the reason why he's done bad things is because of socialization and so on like you're still responsible for the bad things that you do right so um it's I, I for women listening to this who are thinking that this is like um i don't know like male pandering or something like that where i do want to point out there's very different talking about male children versus adult yeah. men for this when they're reason. adults yeah. like that is not our job as women when it's once they're our, our job if they haven't figured it out they will they will learn through the harsh reality of repeated failure if we're doing our job right at fds where yeah. they'll just learn like why do all these girls keep hanging up on me and disappearing well <laughs> It's because you're being an asshole. Time to go back to the drawing. Yeah, time to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, I feel like a lot of, like, we've reached a point with, like, peak feminism where there's only so many think pieces. There's only so, only so many, like, you know, there's only so much that women can do to change low-value men. Like, low-value men just don't care. Like, for the people who matter, for the for the... For the men where it matters the most, like the most misogynistic men, they don't care what Absolutely women not. say or think. And so they're not going to listen to women, mm-hmm, right? That's so right? The only way that they're, they're the only way that they're going to change is by listening to other men. And that's why, you know, it's so important to raise boys from a very young age and lay that groundwork, like you said, about, you know, entitlement. Um, permission. You know, a lot of boys are raised, you know, permission. Like they need to be raised from a very young age to not feel entitled to women and to see themselves as a hero and protecting women, seeing women as sacred and so on so that they go out and they can socialize other boys to be that way as well. 
do you think like I would actually make the point that the best thing we can do as women is to pick high value men as partners in the first oh, yes. place. Oh yes, yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. So, and the reason I say that is because there's there's been a push on both sides of the political spectrum. The old traditional patriarchal model was pressuring women to always submit to men a lot of times to our detriment. The leftist model, the more liberal model, has the quote-unquote communicate aspect of it where we're doing so much communicating, we're doing so much like emotional labor for men, and uh, for men who a lot of times cannot or will not reciprocate. And because I think there's a misguided understanding of how men and women learn, how men learn versus how women learn, there's like this forever and ever, ever push for women to keep communicating, keep communicating and not understanding that like failure and uh, consequence is actually a really good teaching tool for boys as well as men, as well as grown men. Yes, they need consequences, 100%. Yeah, I feel like the most important thing, the two most important things for women in general to do is just one, we raise our, our high-value men and to two is just to stop wasting your precious, glorious energy on low-value men who are not worth it. They don't appreciate it. They're not going to change. And so I think, you know, one of the most powerful things, things we can do is just stop wasting our beautiful energy on these low-value men. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for having me. And that's our show. Please check out our Twitter at femdatstrat as well as our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy, as well as our website at thefemaledatingstrategy.com. Thanks for listening, queens. And for all you gross who have a hairline that says 45 and your maturity says zero to five, die mad.